Welcome to another episode of the Tech That Doesn't Bite cast. Yay! My name is Jeff Worden, and with me as always, my co-host, Simon C. Hello, everybody. My man, Simon. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you, man? I'm doing all right. Doing okay. See, I'm actually making it a habit not to ask how everybody's doing this time. I'm trying really hard. <laughs> good, because it will not It work. won't work because <laughs> nobody's there at the moment. I know, right? How much do I suck about that? All right. No, man, we got all sorts of fun stories for you today, and I'm going to let Simon start off with our first one here. I would imagine this is probably about the T-Mobile breach, or is this something else we're going to talk about? Yeah, kind of a follow-up. Uh, all right, you know, it's see what you got. Big disaster from last week. If you haven't heard from our last week's show, go ahead, check yeah. that out. Oh, those and freaking guys. <laughs> this is an article from Mac Rumors that really just sums up another article from the Wall Street Journal. So... T-Mobile recently suffered a significant data breach that saw sensitive data from more than 50 million current prospective and former customers stolen. That's a lot. Yeah, I'm one of the 50 million probably. So Yeah. Yeah. Lucky so, us. Yeah, lucky us. And um yeah, even I think last week reported it was only 40. Yeah, they keep they probably haven't really nailed, nailed down the number just yet to kind of figure it out, but whatever. I mean, it's in the a breach is a breach. It's a lot. If it's you, you probably got screwed, you know, whatever. Go on. Exactly. So, <laughs> John Bins, a 21-year-old American who lives in Turkey, told the Wall Street Journal that he is responsible for the attack. Wow, I'm, it's a pretty ballsy move to just admit it. Well, if you're in Turkey, <laughs> unless they have an extradition policy, they're not getting him anytime soon. So, Bins said that he discovered an unprotected router in July after scanning T-Mobile's known internet access for weak spots. He used the unprotected router to access T-Mobile's data center located in Washington, where store credentials provided him access to over 100 servers. He said he initially panicked because he had access to something big. It went on to claim that T-Mobile's security is awful. It took him about a week to sort through the servers to find potential data on millions of customers, and he downloaded the data on August 4th. On August 13, T-Mobile was informed that someone was selling T-Mobile customer data, and T-Mobile confirmed the breach just days later. T-Mobile has since said that data from more than 50 million customers was accessed. Stolen data includes customer names, dates of birth, SSN, ID cards, and licenses. The Wall Street Journal took steps to confirm that the hacker selling the data was Bins using his IRDev online alias. Bins told the Wall Street Journal that he hacked T-Mobile to generate noise and get attention as he had allegedly been the victim of an illegal kidnapping that saw him taken to a fake mental hospital in Germany. Bins would not say whether he had sold any of the data that he stole. 
and it is not clear if he had any accomplices. The Seattle office of the FBI is investigating the hack. T-Mobile, affected T-Mobile customers can receive two years of free identity protection services through McAfee's ID theft protection service and and can implement account takeover protection features. Jeez. Wow. Dang. So some 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 guy who's arguably mental hacked into T-Mobile mm-hmm. and took all that data, sold it just to make noise that he had been kidnapped or allegedly kidnapped and placed in a in a German mental hospital. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a definitely crazy. Dang. I, um, you know, I well, don't I know mean, what to say about that. It's <laughs> yeah, that that part's like okay. He's he, obviously this person did for attention. <laughs> Yeah, but definitely got it. Yeah, can't excuse the fact that there's an unprotected router in T-Mobile. <laughs> well, no, I agree. Yeah, no, I, I, I like, what? <laughs> like how? It it's unfortunate that this guy didn't think. Hey, you know what? I found a breach. Let me tell you about it. But you you kind of wonder if T-Mobile would have actually done anything about that because God knows they probably get all sorts of input and and static from all these people. Like, oh, your servers insecure. Yada 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 and whatnot. And generally speaking, it probably is fairly secure for the most part, except for that one router, which allowed him to get into the data center of all places. Right. You know, so, I mean, it, it, I mean, I don't know how many routers that T-Mobile has to deal with, but I mean, if, if, if the commercials are in the indication, there are routers all over this country and obviously all around the planet. That is a lot of routers and data centers they have to look after. You know, and it, it, that is a monumental task. So the fact that this guy found this one weak point, got in and and, and did whatever, ha- you know, created whatever havoc he did. Ah, you know, that's that's there's something to be said for it. But that's a lot of routers to take care of. So I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's hard, hard to really make something of that. I mean, it's one router out of probably millions, I'd wager. I mean, how, how hard is it to monitor all that, you know? I difficult, but oh, it just takes one to get it. It does take one. Yeah. T Mobile, you know, granted, you can say, well, it's one in a million. Yeah. But congrats on winning on the lottery of 50 million users. You know, uh, you know, people's data got taken and sold on the dark web. You know, hello. It doesn't matter if it's one in a million. You still have to plug all the leaks. You know, that's, that's yeah. I mean, it's <sighs> what can I say? It's, it's, uh, I remember this. It's not the first time this happened. Yeah. Right, right, so, right. It's definitely not the first time. Yep. And won't, be the, won't be the last either. Don't, yeah, exactly. don't even kid yourself. Do you say, not be, be the a... last either. Yeah, Absolutely. So, won't be the last either, yeah. Let's move on to our next story. And All next right. story is kind of a follow-up. Not really a follow-up to this, but still related in more of the cellular area. We are going to look at the fastest mobile networks of 2021. This is from PC Mag. Uh, This is their yearly mobile network speed test, where they travel to different locations across the country. And we are based in the States, so it might be a little bit different if you live in a different country. So this is mostly for the U.S. But if you do live in a different country, you know, and you have 5G, let us know which network has been working for you. Yeah, so just leave your comments below. For sure, for sure. So, the let me go back to the main article first. Let's go back to the fastest. Oh dear, lag. <laughs> Find it. Where is it? There's L.A. right there with the one yeah. we care about. But yeah. <laughs> let me go to the main page. 
All right, here we go. I just need there to get rid of the word LA. So, <laughs> so this is the overall result. No, I'm not going to read the article as much because there's a lot to cover. You can actually check on different locations to see which network works best in your location. Right. So the their their methodology is a little bit different. They they do a overall score, uh, not just on speed, but also they calculate speed, um, download and upload, and then latency and also network availability and just average out that score. If I'm correct. <laughs> Something seems, like that. It seems, it, it seems even like, I was a little unsure about this, but yeah, yeah. It, it go on, go on. I so the overall winner is apparently in, on a nationwide scale is uh, T-Mobile, which okay, you know it's a score. So, but and that's why they what, got hacked. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's weird. Like this article came out like not too long, like. A week after? <laughs> I'm not sure. Like yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So second place will be AT&T. And then third place will be Verizon. Right. Now, everyone here in the States might be like, what? That doesn't yeah. make any sense. You know, because usually. I was one of them. I was one of them. Usually it's the other way around. Verizon number one, AT&T number two, and T-Mobile number three. You know, so so it's now kind of the, op- the complete opposite. Well, AT&T is still number two. So. <laughs> so it's been the opposite for Verizon and then T-Mobile. Now, right. we're just going to look at one location here. And I'm just going to look at where we live in our area, so LA. Yeah, the most ex- one of the most expensive cities in the world. <laughs> second, uh, second, uh, second most according to the news I heard today. Apparently uh New York is top in terms of rent. Yeah, That's great. I, I like, yeah, Not right. exactly what I want to hear. Yeah. So <laughs> the fastest <Sorry>. mobile <laughs> networks, 2021 in Los Angeles, the winner is AT&T. Now, I was actually really surprised by that, but apparently yeah. Verizon came up a real, real close second. But, you know, I, when I skimmed the numbers on this one, I'm like, I, I don't see how the scoring went on this one. I mean, anyway, go, go on. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I, the, I, the scoring, again, they're, they're just averaging out like they're just using average scores on everything they test. I guess so they but... might. So AT&T might've scored higher in some sort of like, no, in latency tests, just right there. So. Right. Don't... Right. Well, I mean, I guess is there, a, I want, I have to wonder if they, how they weighted it and all this other stuff. I mean, but scroll back into the chart for a sec here real, real quick here. All right. So now granted our, our listeners can't see this chart, but to kind of give you an idea, as I compare, as I look at Verizon versus AT&T now mm-hmm. Verizon's, Maximum download speed, just just right off the top, is at like a 1.7 gig uh, gigabytes or gigabits, excuse me, versus uh, AT&T, which is at 400 megabits. Okay, so you're looking at, you know, something that's almost like four to five times, about four times faster, or of the maximum is four times faster for Verizon over AT&T. Now you get a slow. Now as an average, it's lower. I admit to that, and uh, uh, but it seems to do better when it comes to anything, I guess, above 25 megabits in terms of the download, it actually performs better than AT&T does. Now, obviously, with the upload stuff, it, it doesn't perform as well, um, although overall it seems to perform better, but in terms of the actual numbers, the maximums and the averages, doesn't yeah. do as well. It has a, a slightly higher latency, but the, the network availability is better by a couple percentage points. So the fact that, that Verizon lost by a couple of points in the overall speed score is like, well, 
you got this maximum that is completely insane. And this and, and that's actually not even a 5G number, I think. If I saw like this other mm-hmm. chart, that's not even a 5G number. So I'm like, well, no, okay. what the maximum download? Yeah, because I d- didn't it actually show like uh like a bunch could, of cities around Los be, Angeles that could be higher that than a gigabit. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it's insane. I don't know. I I I find it a little hard to believe that AT and T took this one, but it is a very narrow margin, so I'm not totally upset about it. It just, I just didn't quite look right to me. But I wouldn't be. I actually think. No, there's some validity with this because I do feel like AT&T does much better job here in most of the, at least here in LA, in an area. Because I'm going to read a little excerpt from this part. You know, this is the article. It says, as in some of our other cities, we saw an, an issue in LA where T-Mobile speeds cluster at the high and low ends of the range, which being a previous T-Mobile customer, I have, I have experience of that as well. Right. And when it was good, it was great totally agree with that but when it wasn't it fell off the cliff totally agree with that so <laughs> at&t on the other hand was more consistent in its 4g and 5g modes delivering more results in the 25 to 75 megabits per second range hmm. law of promise of 5g isn't about breathtaking peak speeds but about getting at least 25 megabits <laughs> everywhere really <laughs> Man, can we aim higher than 25 megs? I know, right? God. So you can rely on features like cloud storage and cloud gaming. In LA this year, AT&T is the network you can rely on. And for the most part, you know, I can't really speak for Verizon customers. I, I'm not a Verizon customer in LA. I am. You are. So I don't know how often you do a speed test. I, admittedly, I don't, but honestly, I mean, so, so I, I it's know, like, so like, what am I, I complaining about? Right. I, I don't know any Verizon customers. No, I know some, but they're not like techies. I really doubt, like, right. They'll be like, oh, let me do a speed test out of nowhere. I was like, why would they do that? They, well, they, yeah. they don't, you know, they, they just want, be- as long as it works, that, that's all that matters. Right. And well, that's the big thing is, is, is mainly it, it isn't so much whether you got the fast speeds, the slow speeds, or what are all of that stuff. It is a matter of whether your network is available to do it. And how close you are to a tower and all this other stuff. I mean, your average guy, you know, could honestly care less how fast the connection is necessarily. I might care because I'm, because I'm a techie guy, but for the most part, it'd be more. Yeah, right. It's, I mean, for me, it's more of okay. I've got a couple of bars. How slow is this going to be? Am I trying to download a large file? Am I trying to watch something on YouTube or whatever it might be? Or am I just trying to get my email of all things? So, and and you know, and the, the problem also is that okay, where's the server? Is the Server you're trying to access, is it a reliable server? Are they sketchy? Is it you know, a whole slew of other reviews too? There's so many factors that go into this. It's hard to really come up with something consistent yeah. that works. I mean, generally speaking, when I, when I use, you know, since I've been a Verizon customer forever, when I use Verizon, it works. Does it fail me sometimes? Yeah, it does. You know, but you know, I'll check the bars. I'm like, okay, there's no network out here or there's you know, a bar. So I'm going to get like virtually next to nothing in terms of my speed, you know, and it, it's going to happen, you know, but... Yeah. I can tell you now that my my son in Arizona, uh, we went to the unlimited plant so that he could use his phone as a hotspot because the internet that the the his apartment complex uses is so awful that when he's taking a test or a quiz, the network might cut out and he loses all his answers. Oh, which part of Arizona? Uh, Tucson, Tucson specifically. And uh, so so I told him I said, okay, you know what? Just put your phone in as a hotspot. 
you know, if, I presume the network is really good out there, and apparently it is. She stays connected, so he's able to complete the test and, and doesn't, you know, doesn't. Uh, well, um, according to PC Mag, T-Mobile is a Tucson winner. Oh, that's a that's a load of crap, I tell you. Okay, <laughs> show show me the chart. Show me the numbers here. Let's see what we got. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. All right. So apparently. But wow. does her son have a 5G phone? That's the thing. So uh, I'm going to answer no to that question, actually. Yeah. Answer so, no, he does not have a 5G phone. Yeah. Hmm. Wait, wait, scroll down a little further. It looks like they tied. Scroll down just a touch. Oh, it's 86. Okay, not 96. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. Sorry. I'm just completely missed. I'm like, oh, maybe it's 96. Yeah, no, so, it's not. If you look at this chart and you pick the other cities, it has been, for most part, been AT&T or T-Mobile. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But for yeah. me, it's like, you know, I, I just choose the locations that I go to, you know, right. which is L.A., you know, occasionally San Diego in the summer. But I, for one, I, I don't, I'm not, well, I, I'm not saying I'm not AT&T customer. I'm using their towers through an MVNO. So right. technically counts. But, you know, for, for someone that's been on the T-Mobile network for, for quite a while, or like, ever. Five, five plus years or more, right? You know, it just in our area, it just doesn't go up; it just stays down all the time. Yeah, like like the download speeds are not fast. Right. They're fast in the middle of the night, like two in the morning, because no one's using the network. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. great, but there's a reason why it's fast because no one's using it right now. Right, like right. once the sun comes up, everyone starts working, like. It freaking crawls to like yeah. You know, it's like oh gosh, like really, and you know the MVNO I'm using that's using AT&T network. Even though like technically MVNOs are like have a lower priority in terms of fast data, still much better than what I would got as a T-Mobile customer. Postpaid, by the way, postpaid. You know, the creme de la creme of you know these wireless carrier customers, <laughs> and I get faster on a prepaid. MVNO network using AT&T. Dang. I mean, that shows you how how much you know, they need to improve like in our city. Yeah. And for once, I don't know if they can because it's a lot of broken promises. They haven't done it. You know? Yeah. I like their customer support. You know, it's easy to just tweet them out, tweet them out or just send a message. I get the same reply though. It's like, oh yeah, we're, we're always doing network Upgrades like okay, but are you doing network upgrades in my zip code? Right. <laughs> it's right. like yeah, I, no, I, like if it's in some other zip codes, like it's not gonna benefit me. No. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you no, know, and I I even um tweeted out to their CTO once and he did respond. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah, there's like you know, it's like well, the spawn was uh, you know, there's there's no no upgrade needed at that time. And my neighborhood was like, no, there is some need for it. I know. <laughs> Come on. I think, I think it's me me depends on how you measure need. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. so it's like, but you know, I was like, I appreciate them being be able to respond, mm. but you know, like at least he was he was being he was being straight with you too for that matter. Yeah. I mean, granted, maybe he wasn't looking at, at at your area specifically, or he just didn't have updated data. It could be a lot of things, but he responded, and that's good customer service on his part, even though he didn't like the answer. But you know, it, I didn't like the answer, but like. I hope that if some brings it into mind, like keep it in mind, like, hey, this area sucks. Yeah. <laughs> this area yeah. sucks. Please improve your speed, right? And exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They haven't done it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I guess no. that's really the thing. I mean, it depends on really what your personal experience is with whatever service you are using. Like I said, I've been using Verizon for like a couple of decades now. And frankly, I don't have any real issues with them. They, they work when I need them to work. Uh, sometimes it's slow in some areas. Again, it just depends on where, you know, the, the tree, you know, the, uh, the tower is. If there's no tower nearby, obviously I'm not going to get anything out of it. And that's the way it goes. Mm -hmm. Am I accessing a website that's sketchy or am I accessing you know, a server that's, you know, pretty good, should be well-maintained. A lot of factors go into it. I can't say that I've had any problems with, with Verizon, so I, I would not see a reason to switch, even though they might be underperforming being in Los Angeles or Tucson or elsewhere of where I go. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, unless their, their service is really awful consistently all the time, yeah, that's when you switch. That's when you kind of kind of get out of get out of whatever you're with and just go from there. But me as a Verizon user, I don't have an issue with it. You know, it works. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with it. My kids are not having an issue with it over in Tucson. That's it. Yeah, so I'm good. I'm totally good. Yeah. I think for everyone's like definitely just read this article, but at the yeah. end of the day, just testing your neighborhood because it's so many factors, so many variety factors that you're gonna have to deal with to see if it actually true you know, it kind of depends what phone you use you mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. which specific location you're at because yeah the 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 article you know says you know at&t might be the fastest network here in la but which part of la right you know, la county right. is pretty big and you're not accounting yeah. for you know other counties as well in in Southern California. So right, right. I mean, if you're if you're in you know, downtown, I, you know, I saw the map of where they went, and like, okay, that's more like, you know, the typical touristy type area. Right, right. So you, you probably know, got like whereas, downtown, a bunch of other towns west. Yeah. I know, I know the 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 one that actually would be more relevant to us was somewhere between uh, like Alhambra and um, uh, some other city, like around the Ten Freeway, where somewhere in that area. Yeah, yeah. But that that'd be like the closest for us because we live on that side of town. Yeah. But, but yeah, they didn't it, even. But they didn't test the other part. The, they didn't the test the other half of, of LA. So, yeah, they didn't test. So they didn't test could the be east side, baby. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. So those results could be completely different. And right, at the right. end of the day, like, yeah, just read it, kind of give a scope of what you might expect. But right, right. It's really at the end. At the end of the day, you could just you had to test it out. Yo, man, come to the east side, test it out. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, stop. <laughs> Stop, man. Stop. Fine. Whatever. All right. Next article is about Microsoft. Go Microsoft, ahead, guys. Those guys. All right. So Microsoft wants Chrome OS users running Office web apps, not the Android apps. Okay. So, I, you know, Microsoft, I, I, I usually don't have a lot of nice things to say about them in general. I've been using Windows for so long. Um, okay. Starting September 18th, three and a half weeks from now. Microsoft will end support for the Office and Outlook Android apps on Chrome OS and start pushing Chromebook users to use its web apps instead, according to a statement given to a Chrome Tech news website called aboutchromebooks.com. Now, wildly enough, on, our, on July 31st, three and a half weeks ago, support documents from Microsoft recommended installing the Android versions of Office, Outlook, OneNote, and OneDrive, but it would seem that those documents now say that the apps are unsupported for Chrome OS users. Now, Kevin Tofel, who is the founder of AboutChromebooks.com, pointed out that the move to web apps makes the offline usage for Office products more difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, true, some web apps like Outlook have a dedicated offline mode. Uh, but Mr. Tofel reported that, uh, that he was unable to open existing documents using Microsoft's progressive web app, sometimes called PWAs, 
uh, for Chrome OS while offline. Uh, so in short, if you're not connected to the internet, you won't get the real office experience like you do with the Android apps. Now, it should be noted that there is some irony in all this, that Microsoft is pushing Chromebook users away from using Android apps on their laptops. However, Windows 11 will have support for running Android apps. So, you know, and, and of course, and what a surprise, Microsoft was unavailable for comment on any of the above changes as it pertained to offline functionality, um, if any improvements will be made before the September 18th deadline, or even why the changes were happening in the first place. Wasn't that nice of them? So, yeah, I, I don't know. I have a feeling there's a whole lot of left hand is not talking to the right hand kind of communication right. going on here. I don't know. It, I, I don't even know what to make of it myself. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know. It kind of makes you glad I don't use a Chromebook. It kind of coming to think about all that. Well, I mean, I used it before for work oh, yeah? before, and it has a lot of potential. Okay. It has a lot of potential, but just it hasn't been able, like, on a consumer-based level, it hasn't been able to really break it into that market. It does very well in education. Oh, okay. Okay. It's very all well right, in education. Right. So, right. You know, for education, it's very perfect with what Google does, you know. Sure. You know, it's also good that's stripped down, you know, because you know, students can be very distracted with a full size laptop running a really major OS. So they could be really distracted. So having something like Chrome OS, you know, it's very dedicated to more educators and education. So it's mm -hmm. good. But I think it's dumb that Microsoft is doing this. I you know, it, it sounds like they don't even know what they're doing, they're, and there are a couple of departments that are not communicating very well with each other. I think it's well. I think for me, like if if, if Chrome if Chromebooks are used in businesses, this will be pretty bad because I know most businesses use Microsoft Office. Right. You know? Well, that's kind of a but standard. On the education side, might not really impact them that much because most educators will be using Google Workspace, their Google Suites. Right. 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 So, and they get most of their students or teachers will use Google Docs, Google Slides, Google Spreadsheets. Yeah. So, but like if Microsoft want to do this, want to use, want people to on the Chrome OS to move it to, you know, want people to use the web version of Office, fine. But don't break compatibility. Make sure everything works. Yeah. You know, maybe have a way to, Use it in offline mode as well. I think that's really the big one. Is that if, as long if you could use it in offline mode, then you're in good shape, and that that I think that'll help out a lot, especially for all and all existing documents you happen to have stored in your hard drive. You know, if you can't access that stuff through an online office suite of applications, yeah, I think Chromebooks are don't have a lot of storage space to begin with. They're well, not what does? <laughs> well, no, we'll be. I would 500 gigs of storage or anything like that. They're not. Well, all right. well, be that as it may, I mean, you could always put everything on a thumb drive. I assume just pop it into the side and you, you can pull your documents off that way too. I mean, there's a lot of ways to go back and forth about it, but either way you would want to have that offline mode availability so you could access older documents, newer documents you created somewhere else. Um, you know, one day we should get a Chromebook to test. I'll let you test it and see how you like it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. Sounds great. Yeah. How, how, <laughs> You'll understand why this is who is built for. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Guys like or people like us, techies. Yeah. You know, you'll see why. You'll see why. Okay. You'll see if we ever get a crowbar, you'll see why this is so much better for education. 
Right. I, I could see yeah. that. I could see that. I know when, while my boys have been in school, I mean, obviously they, they would use the online um, um, office stuff. So I, I, I get what they're driving at. And my impression, just what little I dabbled into it, the programs themselves didn't seem to be as strong as the desktop versions yeah. of them. And I know having, obviously having been worked in an office for a number of years, that my my usage, especially of Excel, because God knows I use Excel like it, it, in ways that probably it shouldn't be, but I but I I know how to work stuff in it. I can look stuff up, find it, test it, make it work. And I'm thinking to myself, there isn't a chance in Hades this actually would have worked on the the online version of this, the PWA or whatever you want to call it. That I just, oh, yeah. I just get that impression it would not have worked that way. So it it it's like ah yeah. So it just seems there's a limited functionality as well to go with that, which I'm not totally put out by but as long as they still have desktop versions available for for the microsoft office suites i don't see an issue with it but obviously for for those who are chromebook users obviously that could be a bit problematic so it's it's yeah oh well there you go so yeah so microsoft get <laughs> figure it out together. figure get, it out get, get your get your hands to talk to each other <laughs> left hand meet the right hand talk to each other all right next story is about Google, Amazon, and Microsoft. Go yeah. ahead, Jeff, take it away. Okay, so Google, Amazon, Microsoft are unveiling cybersecurity initiatives after meeting with the White House. Now, this is obviously a big deal, uh, given uh, you know, a lot of the, the cyber attacks that have gone on, uh, you know, especially this year, uh, courtesy of some Russian uh, hacker groups and whatnot. All right, so the CEOs of Apple, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and IBM are among many of the business leaders that met with President Joe Biden in the White House uh, yesterday to discuss how the government and private sector can work together to improve the nation's cybersecurity. Uh, President Bi Biden had stated, quote, most of our critical infrastructure is owned and operated by the private sector, and the federal government can't meet this challenge alone. I've invited all of you here today because you have the power, the capacity, and the responsibility, I believe, to raise the bar on cybersecurity, end quote. Uh, the government and business leaders made announcements in key areas uh, that build on the administration's effort to shore up the nation's cybersecurity. Uh, the tech CEOs also met with members of Biden's cabinet to look at ways to build more enduring cybersecurity, while other executives will focus on critical infrastructure in the cybersecurity workforce, uh, which, in light of all the major cyber attacks we had to endure, uh, I would personally argue is long overdue. I mean, it, it, it's kind of surprising as to how insecure a lot of our, our big industries are and they get ransomware so easily. It's Or yeah, so it we, seems, we, right? We I mean, it's like, okay. You know, we yeah. just talked about it. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. That's exactly it. I had um, my 21-year-old. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, there's that guy. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, a White House press release has stated the National Institute of Standards and Technology, quote, will collaborate with industry and other partners to develop a new framework to improve the security and integrity of the technology supply chain, end quote. Microsoft, Google, and IBM are among the companies that are participating in this initiative. Uh, Google CEO Sundar uh, Pinchai, hopefully I, or Pichai, hopefully I said his name right, I apologize if I didn't, uh, announced they will invest more than $10 billion over the next five years in cybersecurity. The effort will include helping to secure the supply chain and strengthening open source security. It will also expand zero trust programs in which organizations don't automatically trust any person or device when it comes to cybersecurity. That actually is uh, uh, kind of like the new wave in, in, in security as opposed to being more, 
I want to say more uh, client based than the security is more application based is, is the, the the security side of it. If I understood it right, I don't totally get it. I'm still trying to figure it out because it's eh, my brain's old. I can't under quite understand it. I'll figure it out eventually. But but the zero the zero trust thing was something I kind of recognize from like some other some spam that you and I got a while back about that. I'll well I'll talk about that some other time. Anyways, um, so along with that, Google also pledged to train 100,000 Americans in tech support and data analytics through the uh, Google Career Certificate Program and will also train some 10 million Americans in basic to advanced digital skills by 2023. In the same vein, IBM plans to train more than 150,000 in cybersecurity skills over the next three years. And Apple swore up and down that it would train over 50 million Apple geniuses in a week, thus telling all the other companies to, quote unquote, suck it. No, I'm kidding. I totally made that up. But it's it's interesting to see that now the these big tech companies are actually pushing to have basically your average American actually become more tech savvy overall in an effort to kind of you know make sure that we all have a stronger understanding of security right. to uh, be able to you know, basically protect ourselves as well as the companies we work for. So it's kind of interesting, interesting that they're actually going to finally push that uh, to a much more broader base. Although I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm rather curious to see what the basic to advanced digital skills entails. It's like, oh yes, this is a floppy disk. It's like, oh my god, right. no way. No, it's know. probably it's, like, here's how to turn on a computer. No, that's right. not. No, don't. We don't need that training. We know how to do that. <laughs> well, I don't know. We're always in tech support. That was usually the big one. Okay, I'm going to restart your server. Why don't you turn your computer on and off? That usually fixes the problem like 80 to 90 percent of the time. It's like. Nobody ever does that. Why don't you try that? I already tried that. I don't think you did. Why don't you try it? Oh, it works now. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. Whatever. You know, it's, but I'm kind of intrigued to see how this is going to work out. I mean, that's a lot of money and effort to, to basically up our security game, which God, I, I think is a dire need to say the least. Oh, yeah. It is a dire, dire need. I mean, if you got Russian hackers selling off their programs for X number of dollars to people who can pony up, you know, 50 bucks, just so they can make an attack on, you know, a major infrastructure within the United States or elsewhere, frankly. Yeah. You know, that it, it's warranted. We definitely need to pick it up a little bit here and really, and really, uh, uh, up our, up our security game, frankly. That's, oh, a, that's a big one. That's a I big definitely one. Agree. Yeah. All so. right. Here's our last story. Ladies and gentlemen, do you have a Samsung TV? Um, uh, no. Well, not if yet. Dude, <laughs> Samsung can remotely disable any of its TVs worldwide. Oh, come on. This is an article from PC Mag. The technology is called TV Block, and it's preloaded on every Samsung TV. Yeah. Great. I do have a Samsung TV at home. but <laughs> <sighs> On July 11, a distribution center located in South Africa was looted, <laughs> and an unknown number of Samsung televisions were stolen. However, all of those TVs are now useless. As Samsung has reviewed, they are fitted with remote blocking technology. Huh. What you may be surprised to hear is that Samsung can do this to any of its TVs, regardless of where they are in the world. The company admitted as much in its latest Samsung newsroom post, detailing how the TVs in South Africa were stolen and then disabled. The technology is called TV Block, and it's preloaded on all Samsung TV products. Whenever a TV is confirmed as, sto as being stolen, Samsung logs a serial number of the TV and then waits for it to be connected to the internet. At that point, a Samsung server is connected. At that point, a Samsung server is connected to by default. The serial number is checked, and if it's on the list, the blocking system is implemented, 
implemented, disabling all the television functions. Wow. So Mark Van Leer, director of consumer electronics at Samsung South Africa, explained, in keeping with our values to leverage power of technology to resolve societal challenges, we will continuously develop and expand strategic products in our consumer electronics division with defense-grade security purpose built with innovative, intuitive business tools designed for a new world. This, this technology can be a positive impact at this time and will also be used to both the industry and consumer consumers and customers in the future. That is a lot of business words he was using. No, exactly. <laughs> Although That's what I got out of that. Although Samsung is promoting TV Black as a positive piece of technology, it will be disconcerting for at least some consumers who own a Samsung TV, knowing at any point in the future it could be remotely disabled. It may not even be Samsung who instigates the block. Imagine Samsung gets hacked and the hacker manages to trigger the function for all TVs connected to the internet worldwide. Of course, you can prevent this from ever happening by not allowing your Samsung TV connect to the internet instead of purchasing a separate streaming device to access different services. That would solve that problem in a big way too. Yeah. That is entirely so true. I Samsung TV does not have internet capability. So I'm good. <laughs> that. Yeah. Oh, thank God for you. So if somebody steals your TV, they get to actually use it. That's great. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, we can't really single out Samsung this because I'm pretty sure every other device that we have that's internet capable capable probably has that functionality somewhere. It it makes sense that they would have that. I I agree. I never really thought that far as like every bigger TV that connects to the internet should, you know, could or I should say could and maybe does have that kind of TV block technology yeah. in place. Look at my Fire TV right now. Oh yeah, yeah, that probably has it. Who knows? Yeah, it's yeah. Amazon. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're they're more big brother than than Samsung is usually, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean yeah. it's again, it's one of those things where we don't know about it until you know someone discovers it and then Samsung released a press release because they they got caught <laughs> with yeah. this. So it's like again, it's just be up front with your customers. These well, companies it's just like second second time a company has to really own up to it because they got caught. <laughs> doing That's something true. that you, but you, want, doing. you you wonder though if 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 say samsung says you know just as they put out their new tvs and whatnot they say all right we have tv block it's, a, it's an ability that if your tv ever gets stolen we can block it so that it never so that it doesn't work anymore period and um you wonder whether or not that would be received well by consumers just on the, on the whole it's like well i don't want to you know samsung blocking my tv on a whim which arguably could happen i'm not suggesting that samsung would do that you know but all it would take is like as a typo of some kind on the serial number you know yeah. your tv gets blocked instead of the one that got stolen and how much of a, of a pain in the butt is it to actually get that unblocked see that's the other part of it too yeah you gotta call yeah. and then like probably customer support is like we don't know what you're talking about yeah we have Ooh. no idea exactly you know tv block pff, that's stupid i mean whatever tv block about it samsung Oh yeah, yeah I work right. here. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh yeah, exactly. You oh, know, yeah, and, and then you got to go through the whole rigmarole of, of saying, "No, look, my TV is still in my living room. It wasn't stolen. There's a typo problem. What's the problem with it?" Or God forbid, you know, the the people in, you know who actually had the blocked TV go, "Oh, the TV must have died. I need to get a new one." Right. And then they do it that way, so they're out, you know, four or five hundred dollars or whatever it costs for another TV, depending on what they get. You know, and you know, and how much does that suck? 
know, because you're not going to know the difference. A lot. I mean, unless it, I mean, unless it actually says your TV has been blocked dork, you know, you, because you stole this or whatever. And, you know, however that might work out, there's no, it doesn't sound like there's a way to get around that in terms of if a customer gets screwed on it. Yeah. Cause you know, it, it doesn't sound like there's a way around that. Do and you have an internet connected television? Uh, I do actually. Yes, I do. Uh, that, yeah, I do. A brand. I want to say LG. I want to say LG. So they probably have something on there too. Who knows? Yeah, we just don't know. We just don't know. Cause they haven't been caught yet. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? I may just have to call them out. Hey, excuse me, guys. I'm just curious. Uh, just top of top of my head. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it it's not a bad idea. It it's not it's not a great idea. It's not a bad idea. It, it I agree that a little bit. Depends a little how they handle the idea. Right. Either right. Either I, being, be a secret or they'd be straightforward with you. Right. Being, being, I I think there was probably a lot of discussion whether they should keep that to themselves or not. I bet there was a lot of discussion about that. And they probably felt that turning off the TV or remotely blocking and whatnot was probably better kept under wraps so that if it gets reported as stolen, they could just flip a switch, the TV stops working, and the guy who got it or stole it or whatever can't use it anymore or whomever he sold it to. If he, if the guy's just, you know, some guy's stealing TVs and he sells it to somebody else, the other guy gets screwed and doesn't get, you know, get the fruits of the labor and winds up right. going back, maybe narcs on him to the cops or whatever it is. I mean, there's, there's a lot of problems that it creates just on that end of it, which is not the customer's problem or, um, or I say the original customer's problem or Samsung's problem, but it can't create problems on its own just from a crime side of things, but whatever about that. But yeah, it, it, it there, and on top of that, if, if you're smart enough and you know what you're doing, you could probably crack over the TV and look for the TV block device, assuming it's some kind of hardware component that you can get in there, probably pull it off and boom, you can, you know, now you can access the, the TV again. Just break your TV. Clack, just break your TV. Know. Hey, I do it all the time, man. It's got a hammer. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Just but don't connect to the internet. Right. And if you don't report the TV stolen or whatever, the other guy still gets to use your TV anyways. I mean, I don't know. It, it's, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. It, it there's, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes around it. I'm not sure being upfront from Samsung standpoint would have necessarily been better than keeping it secret. I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure about that. I mean, I, I I'm the first guy who'll probably tell you that you know being being upfront, uh, being honest about what your products can and can't do. Yes, there are possibilities to address. Uh, you know, like like the like the uh, um, the, the Apple Air um, AirPads or whatever. You know, the Air tags. Uh, the Air tag, Excuse me. Thank you. You know. They say, oh, no, we have, you know, anti-stocky uh, uh, technology on it. You and I have obviously tested this. It's still a bit problematic and whatnot. Granted, if they've done the updates like you said they do, we do need to go out and test that again. But they, again, they actually released a new update today. Oh, another one. Okay, great. Yeah. I don't know when we get it. Well, yeah, whatever that, whatever that <laughs> like, wow. So This I don't know. year, next year, who knows, right? Took about a month last time, so. Oh, jeez. God, that was ridiculous. <laughs> but again, we'd have to go out and test it again. But and see if the stocking technology still works on it. Or we won't test it once Apple released uh, some sort of um, AirTag app for Android users because they're there's mm. that's something that they're developing. Right, right, and I'll definitely yeah. download that and check it out sometime. We know when it's when it's out there. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just honestly for I think for for Samsung, if they've been upfront about it and just simply say, "Look, we have this TV block technology." If on the offhand chance that God forbid your TV gets stolen, let us know. We'll turn the TV off so the other guy can't use it and they have to chuck it. 
Now we'll give you a hundred dollar credit for reporting it or something, something dumb like that. So you can buy another Samsung TV. They could have totally handled it that way. That might've been a better way to go about it possibly instead of being secret of getting caught with their hand in the cookie jar. But by the same token, they probably felt, do we really want to tell people that we could turn off everybody's TV on a whim? Do we really want that information out there? There was probably a lot of discussions about that. So I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of ways they could have spun that and, you know, it's hard to be sure. I, I'm, I'm on the fence about this one. I'm on the fence about this one. I got nothing else to say. <laughs> <laughs> nothing else to say. That's because I pretty much said it all. That's usually how I am, I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Is that it? I think that's all we got for today, isn't it? We have for this week. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us for another episode of the Tech That Doesn't Bite cast. I'm Jeff Worden with me is Simon C. Uh, please come and visit our website at techthatdoesabite.com where we've got all sorts of other links to our bike cast, to reviews, learn a little more about how awesome Simon and I are. And uh, come and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, get notifications so you know you can be one of the first people that know that we are on the air live and in charge just like we are right now. Absolutely. And also, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting app, thank you so much. You know, yep. feel free to leave a review there. And yep. if you are not, you know, maybe some of your apps or some of your favorite podcasting apps don't have us on your on your list, let us know. Please, we'd love to let them know so we can get out there and spread ourselves like a virus. I mean, in a good way, in a totally good way. <laughs> his, his words, not mine. So, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us today. Have a great one. Take care of yourselves. Yep. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.